sometimes when you're sick and you're making it through and you keep asking God to heal your body and deliver your body, what you can't see is that you've been making it through. The grace has been keeping you and moving you through your sickness. The grace has been keeping you and moving you through your situation. So are we asking for God to give us what we want? He's been giving us what we need. Welcome to Wesley AME Zion Church, where we're working the vineyard through faith, worship, witness, and service. Today, Pastor Jones is sharing a message entitled, He Gave Me Grace. Let's go into the word. 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 7. If you have it, say amen. amen. It reads, And least I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of the revelation a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, for most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. Amen. I want to share this morning from the subject of he gave me grace. He gave me grace. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this hour, God. And we continue to bless and thank you for all things. And God, we just continue to thank you for who you are. We, God, continue to bless your holy and righteous name in this day and this hour. And now, God, I pray that you'd overshadow me, Father, and use me for your will and for your glory. Fill me afresh, O oh God. Empower me afresh, God. Give me that fresh anointing, O oh Lord. And God, use me for your will and for your glory. I pray now that you'd open our ears and help us to listen. Open our eyes for we want to see Jesus. Then I pray that you'd open our hearts that we might receive him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Blessed Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Um, to the, one of the great bishops of our church, Bishop Darrell B. Starnes, and to his lovely wife, missionary supervisor, Sister Camille Starnes, and to Reverend Wanda Cuthbertson, amen, and to the other associates in their absence, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. The text that we have before us, I believe that some of us, if not all of us, are familiar with this text, or at least we have heard it, I believe, a time or two in our lifespan. Uh, it's a text where Paul begins to deal with some issues in his life, and he begins to give a, uh, a dialogue about those issues, and he begins to talk as if he's from the third person aspect, and he shares that he had been caught up in the spirit mm -hmm. some 14 years ago. And as he was caught up in the spirit, he said wonderful things were revealed unto him. Mm -hmm. Things that were so great that he could not utter them out of his own mouth again. Mm -hmm. And he said because of this great revelation that he received from God, that to him a messenger of Satan had been given. Mm -hmm. As he said, to buffet him, to beat about him, to, to cause some hardship in his life. And, and as a result of this, it was said to given to him and verse seven said to keep him from being conceited. Mm. Now, anybody know any conceited Christians? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. That's an oxymoron, but <laughs> any conceited Christian, you know, we have some Christians, amen. 
who think more highly of themselves when, than they ought to. But the scripture warns us about that. It said, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to, but have a sober understanding of who you are. But Paul begins to say that one of the reasons he was given this thorn in the flesh, as he says, is to keep him from being conceited. But as I began to look at this passage that we've come to today, I, I, I began to think about grace. And, and I have been, I tell you the truth, I, grace has been on my mind for the last three weeks. And it's been so that I thought on last week, I thought that I was going to be talking about grace at Fifth Sunday Fellowship. Only to see that God wanted to take me in another direction. But even as I began to deal with this and talk about this grace and, and I began to reflect on grace, as I said, if I have in the last three weeks and I began to see on the news just on last week, which I'm pretty sure many of you have, that the trial of the shooting of Mr. Boffman, John, has come down. And, and as a result, the police officer received 10 years. And this has been in the news and people have been wondering what was going to be the outcome of this trial. And some have been outraged that she only got 10 years. Some were outraged at the brother and the judge and the bailiff in the situation because of the compassion that they were showing this woman. And, and at the hold, when I first saw it, the very first thing that came to my mind was grace. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who may not know what I'm talking about, when Mr. John, uh, Botham Jean, John's brother went to court, he made his appeal to the court to express what his feelings were about the situation. And he told the woman that he didn't want any harm or illness feelings or any ill treatment to come her way. And in fact, he said, I, if it was up to me, I didn't want you to go to jail. But he said, what I want you to do is have a good life and to have the best life that you can have. And immediately again, my mind said grace. But even as he's making his heartfelt appeal to this woman, he begins to tell her that I pray that you find Jesus. Mm. He said, if you can turn to Jesus, he will help you. Mm. Oh, I said, I sure enough see oh. grace now. Oh. But then I thought that that was it. He then turns and asks the judge if he could hug her. Yeah. There's a brief moment of silence. And then all of a sudden you, you hear the judge say, yes. Now, I thought this was kind of unusual because most cases like this, you probably wouldn't get that opportunity. But the judge said, yes. And then he went and he embraced her. But as I watched the video of him embracing her, I noticed that even when he wanted to let go, she kept coming back in. I don't think she's ever received that type of love. I don't think she's ever received that type of grace. But what God was doing on that day in that courtroom was exhibiting the grace that comes from him. And the thing about it is all of us should know what that feels like. All of us should know what it means to have that type of grace given to us. Because if you've ever been a sinner that's saved by grace, you know what it's like to have somebody wrap their arms around somebody who is guilty and say, I forgive you. But even as that, she then found grace from the judge. The judge then comes and he hugs her or she hugs her and then gives her a Bible. And then there was the bailiff. The bailiff was standing behind her and the bailiff began to stroke her head. And if you didn't know, the bailiff was black. It's a black woman. 
All of these people are African-American people. Showing this white police officer who has killed an African-American man. Now, you know, the country has been in an uproar about police killings. And yes, the country is still in an uproar because some folks said they should not have done what they did. Now, I'm not here to say that what they did was right or wrong. They had to do whatever they felt like they had to do. If he was moved to hug her and exhibit grace, if he was moved to forgive and give grace to her instead of what he could have given to her, I am grateful to God that he was in that place. Now, some of his family members said that they aren't there yet, but they saw the strength in him and they prayed that they could get to that place of forgiveness that he shows. But even as I began to look at this and I saw that three, these three evidences of grace in this situation, the bailiff, the judge, and Mr. Botham's brother giving this woman grace. And I believe it touched her. I believe she's probably sitting in that cell now wondering, why did they give me the grace that they did? Why did they love on me when they could have been showing me hatred? Why, instead of demanding that I be put in life in jail for prince of life, were they not asking for that, but they were willing to forgive? And then I realized that not everybody's there. Not everybody understands that. Not everybody wants to express that. But after expressing his heart, he showed her that this is what Botman would want to do for you, mm. is to give you grace. Mm. But then I saw one of my fellow clergy brothers from down in Dallas said, very few, and these are his words, very few communities in our nation have had to suffer as much as black people who also been robbed of the opportunity to emote from the experience. Then he goes on to say, it is about removing from black people the agency of their anger, suggesting that we don't have a right to righteous indignation, that it is somehow unacceptable for Christian black people to tap into their frustration at a death dealing system that has caused them to bury generations of their sons and daughters. He continues, I think that is sinful. So it shows us that not everybody is feeling mm -hmm. the way that Botham's brother is feeling. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has grace on their mind. Mm -hmm. But then it also took me to one of the people that were a member, family members of one of the people that were killed down in Charleston. And Reverend Sharon Reiser said, It always seems like black people are given the heavy task of being able to forgive. The tendency to forgive, she said, is a part of a generational DNA. Strand that we have as black people a legacy of slavery for us to be able to live some kind of decent and, and some kind of decent existence and not carry rage and anger. We get to that point of having to forgive. Now, again, I'm, I'm not saying that anybody's wrong for expressing the feelings they express. Those are your feelings. Those are your emotions. But the thing that, again, that touched me so was that he gave grace to a woman that had just killed his brother. Mm -hmm. They extended grace mm -hmm. 
into somebody's life who didn't deserve it. But again, that's what grace is. Mm -hmm. Giving us what we show enough don't deserve. And when we understand grace, that's why I found it kind of hard that my two clergy brothers and sisters had a difficulty with the grace thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have a right to be angry. Yes, we have a right to be upset. But the Bible tells us be angry, but sin not. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the thing is that we should always be moving toward grace and we should always be moving people towards grace. Mm -hmm. So when we get caught up in the thing that I don't understand is this. You either have a chance to forgive and extend grace and have peace in your life and in your heart and peace with God. Or you can hold on to that anger and that bitterness and it destroy you from the inside. That's right. And that's what I don't think most people realize when we say that we have a right to be angry. Yes, you have a right to be angry, but don't let the bitterness of unforgiveness destroy you from the inside. That's right. And if we're not careful, we'll let that bitter root of unforgiveness build on the inside of us and it'll grow to the point it begins to destroy us and cause destruction in our personal lives yes. because we're upset and won't let go. But remember, God gave each of us grace. Some of you may be asking what all of this has to do with the text before us. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm not sure if I can help you. You see, there are times when we find grace in the midst of a painful situation. Paul starts off that 12th chapter talking about how he has been in this, again, vision and God has revealed some great things to him. But he can't reveal those things. And he said he's been given that messenger of Satan to buffet him, to beat about him, that he might be humble in the midst of it all. But if you follow Paul's story, it goes even back a few more chapters where he begins to talk about these boasting super apostles and how they're following behind him. And they're boasting about all of the great things that they have done. They're boasting about all of the great revelations that they have revealed. Anybody know anybody like that? They want to tell you how great they are. They want to tell you how great a preacher they are, how great a person of revelation from God that they are. You know, God has revealed some great things to me. God is revealing some wonderful things to me. Yeah, but every time I've seen in the Bible just about when God is dealing with somebody in that way, there's some humility that comes along with it. So when Paul begins to deal with these people that are coming behind him and they're challenging him in his ministry, they're, they're challenging him in his personal life. They're challenging him with the people that he's been preaching and teaching. And they're saying Paul is not up to no good with you. And Paul is out to, to take advantage of you. He's not meaning you any good. He wants to do you in. He wants to take your possessions. Paul having to deal with this while ministering to folk. Paul is having to deal with this while ministering in the name of God. Mm. And as Paul goes through this and we began to see that this thing, this thorn has come now. And he said he's got a thorn in his flesh. Mm -hmm. The thorn that we complain about sometimes, but the thorn sometimes is working in your favor. Yeah. And when we think about this thorn in the flesh, a thorn is anything that irritates your life on a continuous basis. Mm -hmm. Don't look at nobody. Amen. Amen. I see, I see you. Don't look at nobody. I don't care if they are the ones. Don't look at that thorn. It might be sitting next to you. Don't look at that thorn. Amen. Amen. But when I began to look at this text, I began to look and the first thing that I saw that you probably have saw too is there was a request. When I look at the eighth verse, it says concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. 
When I saw this request from Paul and, and, and all of us make a request to God for deliverance for something or some sort, whatever the cause may of trouble or pain may be, we've all had to go to God and ask him to deliver us from something. Yes, we've all had to go to God and ask him to take away something. Mm -hmm. Amen. And maybe you're in the midst of doing that right now, asking God to take something or someone out of your life. But the pain in our text, we see that Paul has some trouble. He has some pain in his life. And in our text, it points out there is a condition in his life which causes him pain. And he has this state of weakness because of this pain. Now, I know some of you are probably still trying to figure out what the thorn is. And you won't find out today either. Amen. I don't think you'll ever find that out. There are a lot of people who guess. Say that he had some kind of eye situation. He had some kind of physical ailment. He had malaria and all these other. Nobody knows. Paul doesn't tell us what his thorn in the flesh is. And that helps us today because whatever your thorn in the flesh is, you can identify with Paul. Just substitute whatever's plaguing your life in that verse and began to understand that Paul was talking about the same thing. And as Paul said, I, I've been given this thorn in the flesh and, and I went to God three times. I knocked on heaven's door three times and asked him to take this thing away from me. But in the midst of that pain that I had and in a state of weakness, I went to God and I made a request of him. But Paul seeks God in prayer about this thing that is causing this issue in his life. The question I have for you is, are we going to God when we have these type of thorns in our lives? When we have something that is plaguing us on a continuous basis, are we talking to God about it? Or are we knocking on heaven's door about it? Whatever this thing is that's causing Paul, it causes him to beg God to take it away. Are you willing to knock on heaven's door in such a way that you're willing to beg that God would take that thing from you? Are you willing to go to God in such an intense fashion that you know that God knows that you are pleading with him with everything that you got on the inside of you, that you would deal with that subject matter that's going on in your life? Paul says, if you would take this thing from me and I beg God three times to do it. But God didn't grant Paul's request. Instead, he gave Paul what he needed. And that's the thing that happens to us a lot of times. When God is blessing us, he's giving us what we need. But we want what we requested. But sometimes you don't realize what you requested may not be what you need. And God says, I'm going to give you the best thing for the matter. I'm going to give you the best thing for the situation. I'm going to give you what you need. And in this case, God said, you need grace. Paul says, I, I want you to take it away from me, God. And, and, and I can picture in my own sanctified imagination as, as Paul is on his knees praying before God. And, and he gets up expecting God to have delivered him from this thorn in the flesh. This thing that's causing him an issue only to find out that it's still there. Can you identify yet? You've been knocking on heaven's door. You've been praying to God that he will come and remove this thing from you. But it's still there. The indebtedness is still there. The heartbreak is still there. The physical ailment is still there. And you knock on heaven's door again and only to find out that you're still getting the same answer. The thing is still there. God hasn't removed it, but he's given you what you needed. Yeah. And then the third time he goes and he knocks on the door of God and he says, God, please take this thing from me. Only to find out God has given him the same answer. Because it's still there. We may have pain in our life, but don't get caught up in the request that you make and getting it the way that you think. Yeah. God may say, I'm going to give you what you need. Yeah. 
And what you need may not be what you want. Yeah. Hallelujah. What you need may not be what you want. Yeah. But God says, I'm going to give you what you need. And in this case, he said, you need grace. But as I saw that Paul made the request, I saw that there was a received answer. In the ninth verse, I saw that he says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities than in the power that in the power of Christ, of Christ may rest upon me. He received an answer from God. Notice what I just said. He received an answer from God. It took Paul a minute to accept God's answer. He went three times before the Lord. He went three times into the God's presence and said, take this thing from me. And oftentimes it's not that we don't get an answer from God. Sometimes we just don't have time to wait. Amen. And we have a hard time accepting the answer that we do get from God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty sure that none of you in here has liked everything that God has sent your way. And I'm sure none of you in here has liked every answer God has given you, especially when you wanted it bad. And he said, no, especially when you wanted it right then. And he said, not right now, especially when you wanted it so bad. And then he says, yes. Then you don't know how to act. As we talk about this, you forget the faithfulness of the Lord. Paul finally accepted the answer that God had given him. He finally got past that that hard place and said, I hear you, Lord, because God told him my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. But sometimes we get so focused on the thorn that we can't see the gift of God's grace. And that's what Paul was happening. He couldn't accept it because he was so focused on the thorn and what the thorn was doing in his life that he couldn't see the grace that God had already given him. I got some news for you. <laughs> Paul didn't see it. And many times we don't see it either. But when God gives us grace to make it through a situation, the thing we fail to realize is that we're making it through the situation. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, <sir>. You <laughs> yes, with me, Bishop? Yes, sir. Sometimes when you're sick and you're making it through yeah. and you keep asking God to heal your body and deliver your body, what you can't see is that you've been making it through. Yeah. The grace has been keeping you and moving you through your yeah. sickness. The grace has been keeping you yeah. and moving you through your situation. So are we asking for God to give us what we want, he's been giving us what we need. Yeah. The grace to make it through. And Paul finally came to this place where he understood, I can see the grace that you've been giving me now. I can see the grace that you said is sufficient now. I can see that grace working in my life now. I didn't see it before. And I've been knocking on your door asking for deliverance. But I now see the grace that you've been giving me. See, once we shift our attention from the thorn to God... It's then that we can begin to see God's sufficiency, yes. his enoughness, his adequacy, his competence, his being what is necessary. Mm -hmm. Oh, it just takes me back to when he told Moses, well, who do the people say that I am? When I go tell the people, who, do, who should I say sent me? Uh. Tell them I am sent you. Mm -hmm. I am that I am sent you. Yeah. Whatever they're going to need, I'm going to be there. Yeah. 
When they need protection, I'll be there. When they need provision, I'll be there. Whatever they're going to need through the wilderness experience, that's what I'm going to be. Whatever they're going to need when they're making their journey to the promised land, that's what I'll be. And when we come to the day and we realize that in our own lives today, God is just that for us today. He is still the great I am. Because whatever we stand in need of, his grace is sufficient. Whatever is lacking in our life, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. God's grace is sufficient for us today. And when we finally get that understanding in our own life, we began to receive that answer just like Paul did and understand that God gave us the best thing that he could ever give us. And that is the grace of God. Grace is one of the best words you can ever hear in your life. I don't know about you, but that day that I stood before God in sin and in shame and I asked him to forgive me and grace came into my life only because God had already given grace on that hill called Calvary over 2,000 years ago. There was grace extended to me and grace extended to you. Why? Because God gave us the gift of grace before we even needed it. While we were yet dead in our sins, God gave us the thing that we needed the most, and that thing was grace. I know you may have thought you needed a man or you needed a woman, but what you needed was grace. I know you might have thought you needed money in your pocket and a big bank account, but what you needed was grace. I thought you knew that you might need a healing in your body, but what you needed the most was grace. Yes, sir. Grace is what we need the most. So the request was made. The answer was received. But then I saw that there is also the response. In the 10th verse, it said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Once you have made your request and you've wrestled with the answer that will, what will your response be? Once you've gone to God and you've laid out your petition before him and you might have found yourself laying prostrate before the Lord asking him to take this thorn from me. But then once you've wrestled with the answers that God has been sending your way and you you wrestled through those things and you've come to the place of reception and you say, God, I receive what you're saying. What's going to be your response? Paul experiences an inward shift from verses eight through verses ten. He moved from suffering to pleasure, from weakness to strength, from walking in humanity to walking in God under God's divine power. When I understand that even in my own life, there's been times of suffering, but God has given me grace and has moved to time of pleasure. I've been going from times of weakness, but God's grace comes in and it moves me to a time of strength because his strength is made perfect in my life. I've gone from walking in my own humanity to walking under the divinity of almighty God. Why? Because I learned to accept the answer of God and my response is, I'm going to live for you, God, come hell or high water. I'm going to do what you ask me to do, Lord, no matter what comes, no matter what may I'm going to give you God what you've given to me I'm going to give grace out until the God comes and lets him know that Paul's shifting from pain to glorification of Christ oh imagine that you move from a place where you are in pain and you're complaining and you move to a place where you're glorifying your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Paul says I will therefore pleasure in my infirmities, I, I, in my reproaches, and in my needs, and in my persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. 
He understood that what I'm experiencing and what I've gone through and what I've been through is giving me the grace in my life that was sufficient for everything that I needed. And because of that, I'm responding out of this with a glorification of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to give him glory because of what he's done in my life. Oh, I don't think nobody heard me on that one. You got to learn because of all that you're going through. Now, imagine if your body's been wrecked with pain, but God has given you his grace, and you're not even worried about the pain anymore, but you begin to give God glory. Imagine if you've been going through a bad relationship, and that God shows up and give you the grace and give you the understanding, and hopefully he gives you a way out of that joker's life, but God comes and shows up, and he gives you the grace that is sufficient for the need in your life, and because he's given you that grace, you now can find yourself going out telling other folk about the goodness of the Lord and just how good God is in your life and just how good God can be in life. I don't know about you, but ever since grace came my way, I just want to give his name glory. Ever since grace came my way, I just want to share just how good God has been. Ever since grace come my way, and when grace came in, it didn't matter the infirmities that came. I don't care. Grace is there and because of grace, I'll give him glory. It didn't matter what reproaches came. People can talk about me all they want. They can run my name down all they want. I might not be much in their sight, but I'm something in God's sight. And because I'm something in his sight, because he gave me the grace that I needed. And because of that grace, I'll glorify his name. Because of that grace, I'll lift him up every chance I get. Because of that grace. And when I think about that grace, Paul has found that grace. And he found that it was all that he needed. Sometimes you're going to come to that place in life that all you need to make it yeah. is grace. Yes, sir. I know we think we need a whole lot of stuff, but all I need to make it yes, is grace. grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I made it out of Fairview home by grace. I made it 53 years in this world by grace. I made it out of a project community by grace. I made it out without ever having to go by the jailhouse by grace. I made it without ever having been strung out and caught up on drugs by grace. I made it out even though my life has been in danger sometimes, but I made it out by grace. I made it out by grace. And I don't know about you, but every time today, it's communion Sunday. And every time I come to the table, I know that I'm only here by grace. When I pick up the bread, I know that it's by grace. When I pick up the cup, I know that it's by grace. And when I take them for the sacrament of my own sin, I know that it's by grace. When I take in that bread that represents the body of our Lord and Savior, I know that it's by grace. When I drink down that cup of juice, then it reminds me of the blood of Christ that was given for me. I know that it was by grace. And it case you haven't figured it out you sitting here today by grace you're here today by grace you only have a voice today by grace you only have love in your body today by grace you only have the health that you have today by grace well preach i'm sick right now you're still here and you're still making it and you're making it by grace Whatever's going on in your life, you're still here by grace. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what troubles you got in your life. Just know that it's not for the grace of God you wouldn't be here. He gave me grace. And I'm here to tell you today that he's given you grace too. Every one of us in here has the grace of God on our lives. And I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for his grace. 
His grace and his mercy. If it had not been for his grace and his mercy. Oh, I'm so grateful. Y'all just don't. And here I am preaching to the one who preached to me that allowed me to see that grace of God. Who would have ever thought? Oh, but the grace of God. Oh, but the grace of God. Here I am, pastor, and the one that led me to Christ. Oh, but the grace of God. Oh, but the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you haven't realized by now what grace can do for you, just keep on living. Trust him. Trust him. Thank you for tuning in today. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, drop us an email at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. That's wesleyonmain at yahoo.com to let us know how this message has touched your life. Until next time, God bless.